Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything. In racing that happened in the last week, we'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome everybody to Speed Zone this evening. I'm Ben Cower. The mic is moving down. Let me move it up. There we go. Uh, we got a packed show for you tonight. Only one person on the panel. It was uh, an interesting weekend in racing. Uh, obviously, not a ton happened, but it was uh, it was Dega weekend. So certainly, Talladega weekend never goes without being interesting in one way or another. So we're going to talk about that and plenty of other things on tonight's show. So uh, I'll just cut to the chase. Let's get right into the segment where we recap the weekend that was in motorsports. Let's get straight into Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. And yeah, there was a lot that happened this weekend. Let's go over it. Starting with the uh, Arca Menard Series, I guess the National Series, not the East or the West, just the uh, the Arca Menard Series itself at Talladega, where Saturday's Arca race uh, was full of intrigue with the points lead changing hands. Greg Van Alst, who won the opening race of the season at Daytona and entered the race as the championship leader, crashed on lap six and finished 32nd after contact with Scott Melton. Jesse Love dominated the early part of the race in his number 20 Yahoo Toyota for Venturini Motorsports uh, and took the lead at the start of the 76 lap event, but pit strategy near the halfway mark cycled him out of the lead. He uh, slowly worked his way back up to the front, though, and was running second behind Andre Perez de Lara with 12 laps left when Caleb Costner smashed his 93 car after a tire failure. The, the race resumed with seven laps remaining and Perez de Lara and Love restarted on the front row and the pair raced side by side through turns one and two but Love got the edge going down the back stretch thanks to a push from his teammate Gus Dean. He didn't look back and Love led the remainder of the race to earn his third Arca Menard Series victory with Dean in second, Brett Holmes in third. New point standings leader in ARCA, it's Frankie Muniz, who finished in ninth place. Now on to ARCA West at Kern County Speedway, and it was Sean Hingarani winning his second of three races so far in ARCA West competition, battling back from a penalty after jumping a restart early on to battle with the dominant Landon Lewis to pull away in the late stages of the race and score the victory. He, he won the last race at Irwindale and charged back to win Kern County. And the only race he hasn't won so far this year was his debut at Phoenix, his series debut, uh, where his car had a mechanical problem. You know, keep an eye on this kid, Sean Hingarani. He's good and certainly a contender to win that West Series title. Now on to the Xfinity Series at Talladega on Saturday. My goodness, <laughs> what a race. Uh, Jeb Burton scored his second Xfinity Series win at Talladega after winning at Dega two years ago in one heck of an eventful race, uh, this time with no rain. It was an awesome redemption story for the winner, or excuse me, the owner of Jeb Burton's 27 car, Jordan Anderson. Excuse me, who he himself was injured in the truck series race at Dega last fall after being burned severely in a freak accident. The win was the first for Jordan Anderson racing as a team in NASCAR competition. Uh, Burton led only 20 of the race's 121 laps, and he also won the second stage and, most importantly, was able to hold off Sheldon Creed by a mere .113 seconds to lock himself 
into the playoffs. Driver Blaine Perkins was transported to a local medical facility in abundance of caution after being involved in the first accident to bring out a red flag. He and Dexter Stacy's cars collided just before the second stage break down the backstretch and Perkins' car flipped over multiple times down the backstretch. Stacy's car took one heck of a lick on the interior wall. Both Again, both on the backstretch. Both drivers climbed out of their cars on their own and 12 more cars were involved in an accident with three laps remaining, including then-leader Daniel Hemrick, who ended up upside down against the wall. A red flag was thrown while the safety crew got Hemrick out of his destroyed number 11 Chevy and walked him to the ambulance on his own. It was a wild wreck, very similar to that Tony Stewart wreck in 2012 where he went down to block in the inside. And uh, Stewart Haas Racing's Cole Custer was the winner of this uh, week's Dash for Cash $100,000 check with his fourth place finish. And he was the only one of the four eligible uh, for the bonus to finish the race. And with that effort, he and Burton... Creed and Kligerman are eligible for the bonus in next weekend's, or this weekend, excuse me, final of the four Dash for Cash events at Dover. Overall, the top five of the race was Burton, Sheldon Creed, a bridesmaid once again in second place. Parker Kligerman finished third with Sturdoss Racing's Cole Custer and JD Motorsports' Brennan Poole rounding out the top five. Now on to the Cup Series at Talladega, where a gamble paid off for the man from Las Vegas. Kyle Busch scored his second victory of the 2023 Cup Series season, hanging on late and saving enough fuel through a pair of overtimes to secure the win, his second for RCR in 10 races. The racing was clean and green for most of the day, with only some smaller incidents involving Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe spinning on pit road entry, and a later caution totaling Austin Dillon and Zane Smith's cars, taking some cars out of the running order. On the final restart, Bush and 2311 Racing driver Bubba Wallace exchanged the lead during the final two laps of the race, but Wallace threw a late set of blocks on Ryan Blaney as the two battled on the high groove for the lead just after taking the white flag. Wallace's Toyota turned itself sideways off the nose of the 12 car, hit the wall, and triggered a chain reaction accident that eliminated several other of the front-running cars while Bush was able to continue forward and take his second career win at Talladega, the first coming 15 years and 55 wins ago. Blaney, who led a race-best 47 of the 196 laps, looked poised to snap his, at the time, 55-race winless streak at Talladega before that last incident. He was still able to continue after that contact with Bubba and finish runner-up, despite leading the most laps on the afternoon. RFK Racing driver Chris Busher finished third, followed by Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe with his third straight top five, and RFK owner driver Brad Keselowski in fifth. Legacy Motor Club's Eric Jones finally got a top ten, finishing in sixth. William Byron was seventh for Hendrick. Cup Series points leader Christopher Bell was eighth. Daniel Suarez was ninth, and Front Row Motorsports' Todd Gilliland rounded out the top 10, his third top 10 in five races, in the last five races, that is. And then rounding things out with the car, Stuart Hickory, it was an exciting weekend, and Carson Kavopel, uh, one ended up winning the late model uh stock car race, excuse me, and then Mike Hopkins still undefeated this season in the pro late months. I'm going to catch a break here, catch my breath, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's the best segment of the show. What's up this week? Uh, More up next on Speed Zone. Go ahead, Swift 1-2. Sergeant Dale Beatty was wounded by a roadside bomb. Swift 1-2 Now begins the most important journey of his life. Roger Swift 1 2. From the battlefield to home. Home to some very good medicine. His family's love. They'll be staying together at one of the many Fisher Houses to help Dale get better and return to his life. Fisher House Foundation provides comfortable housing and other services to the families of wounded warriors and veterans while they receive care at military and VA hospitals. Fisher House is among the highest rated charities with 95% of donations going to help our military families in their time of greatest need. Remember those who serve and sacrifice. Fisher House, because a family's love is good medicine. Go to fisherhouse.org for more information.
And welcome back, everybody, to Speed Zone. It's time for that. It's that time of the week. What's up this week? What's what's going on this weekend? We got a lot going on. So let's just dive right into it. Starting out with Friday. It's relatively tame, but there's still racing action. F1 opening practice from Azerbaijan. Said that right. Uh, is at 5.25 a.m. Bright and early. My goodness. Get yourself a cup of coffee. Wake up for that one. Even though I, I don't drink coffee, but maybe you do. Uh, with qualifying later in our morning at 8.55 a.m. Arkham Menard Series East practice kicks everything off this weekend up at Dover at around 1 p.m. And then Xfinity Series practice follows that at 3 p.m. Qualifying kicks off right afterwards at 3.35. The ARCA East Series then going to race the General Tire 125 at Dover at 5.30 p.m. again on Friday. And then the World of Outlaws, the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars, going to take to the track for the first race of two this weekend with the first race at Tri-City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. Also on Friday night here in West Virginia, rain depending because the weather is not looking too great right now but maybe maybe it'll get it in maybe it'll change the first night of the cabin fever bash at ona speedway that is with the street stocks sport mods classics u cars crazy compacts and the semi pro class of legend cars all taking to the track and then now on to saturday the 29th jam-packed with racing action starting off with the six hours of spa frankershaw I think I said that right, too. Yeah, and I know I said that right. I don't speak French, but I think I said that right. Dale's looking at me. He, he'll be on the panel in a moment. Uh, in the World Endurance Championship, again, the six hours of spa. That's what we're just going to call it. And then the Formula One, second practice of the weekend, again, at 5.25 a.m., bright and early here in the States. Then the F1 Sprint Race at 9.30 a.m., Next up is the NASCAR Cup Series. It's practice and qualifying at 10.30 a.m. from Dover before the Xfinity Series faces off in the A-Game 200 again at Dover at 1.30 p.m. Later on in the afternoon, IndyCar qualifying for this weekend's race at Barber Motorsports Park for the second World of Outlaws event of the weekend, this time at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, Indiana. Also on Saturday for now, uh, barring any weather, but the weather looks good enough on Saturday. More racing at Ona Speedway. It's night two of the Cabin Fever Bash. The Midwest Modified Tour visiting Ona alongside another night of late models, street stocks, and the pro class of legend cars and U-cars. And then the Sunday, the 30th, it's going to be a threefer with things kicking off bright and early with the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at 6.55 a.m. Then the NASCAR Cup Series facing off at the Monster Mile, Dover, or the Worth 400 at 2 p.m. It's live on PRN or FS1. And finally, the IndyCar Series takes the green flag down in Alabama for the Grand Prix of Barber at 3 p.m. on NBC. That's everything happening this weekend. When we come back, we're jumping into the discussion zone. That's right. It's the Racing Roundtable, up next here on Speed Zone. When it comes to cancer, what you don't know can kill you. Too many Americans over 50 haven't received potentially life-saving screenings for colon and breast cancer. That's a problem. Colon cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S., and breast cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths among women. In fact, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer in her lifetime. Early detection is so important. If you're between 50 and 75, get screened for colon cancer. The earlier colon cancer is found, the easier it is to cure. Women between 50 and 74 need to get a mammogram every two years. Screening can find breast cancer early when treatment is most effective. If you're over 50, talk to your healthcare provider about getting screened for cancer. It could save your life. For more information, visit www.cdc.gov cancer. Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Now that that's over, who's at the table today? Yeah, I'll have to admit, I lied in that uh, bumper. It's not multiple this week. It's only one, and it's just Dale Garrett. Welcome back to the show, Dale. 
Thank you for having me, Ben. It's finals week. Of course nobody's going to be here. Yeah, no, it's just us. It's just us motorsports nerds here talking about racing. Dale, how's your week going? It's, I can't believe it's Wednesday already. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So. You're going to let everybody at home know what you're doing this weekend? Yeah, so weather permitting, on the already rescheduled Cabin Fever Bash, as Ben mentioned in, um, in his recap there, you know, we're hoping to climb down on the cars this week and go play. Um, yeah. I mean, the Saturday weather looks good. It's just Friday looks a little iffy right now, but uh, hopefully we're out there Saturday. If you're in the area, come out. Enjoy a, a big jam-packed event on Saturday with the Midwest Mods Tour. It should be a heck of a show. All right. So with that, let's just jump straight into the discussion, the racing roundtable. All right, Dale. It was Talladega weekend. A lot happened. Let's start out with the Xfinity Series Wreckfest. My goodness. You know, <laughs> uh, that was um, eventful, wasn't it? Yeah, very. <laughs> too, too, too eventful. Keep talking. Talk about it. What, 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 were, what were your thoughts? Well, in my notes, I have it titled the Xfinity Crapshoot. I mean, you know, it's it's at at the end of these races, I get that they're all going for the same piece. Obviously, the win, but uh, it's just it's getting ridiculous here in recent memory of how many cars that were tearing up and going upside down you know the blaine perkins flip that's one thing that was just a freak accident um but as far as daniel hamrick going upside down and what was i mean both of these wrecks were scary don't get me wrong but anytime a car goes upside down in turn four talladega it's never good um that one to me i gasped harder on that one seeing it live than i did blaine perkins crash so it's it's not ideal and i just want to be able to go back to the days where we would have 25 30 cars running at the end of these races but we're not going to get that because everybody feels like they have to block and it's just (laughs) it's ridiculous it's painful to watch i can't i don't even i would like to know a time frame of how long the end of the xfinity race lasted because it was too darn long it was too darn long yes i well i mean it was I don't know. It, it took, was long. It took them forever to complete, like, the last, what was it, 10 laps or something? I don't know. There was two overtimes. Yeah. Two too many. <laughs> that was a wreck fest of a race, my goodness. I, I've never seen so much carnage in a Talladega Xfinity Series race. I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so much happened, um, and not a lot of it was good driving. It was great for, like, some of it, and then it seemed like everybody would just run out of talent every single 15 laps, especially out there, near the end. I could have went out there in my legend to get a top 10 finish because nobody knew how to make it to the end of the race. Granted, a legend will not make it to the end of Talladega. This is pure sarcasm, but the point still stands. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Dale, you know, while we're talking about the Xfinity Series race at Talladega, we're talking about carnage, you know. You know... Let's all wish a happy birthday. It's 15th anniversary to uh, Kevin LePage. LePaging the field. <laughs> I was like, what is this for? It's the 15th anniversary today. 15 years ago today, Kevin LePage, LePage the field, and arguably the funniest wreck in NASCAR history. Hands down. I, <laughs> I wish I could be that oblivious during a race. You know, some of the drivers this weekend seem that oblivious. Yeah, I don't... I just don't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it anymore. It's, <laughs> it's painful. It's saddening. Yep. It's costly. It's... It's mm-hmm. degrading. I can't think of any more adjectives here. And, uh... Congratulations, Kevin LePage, on the 15th anniversary of, uh... doing what you did. It's... It's so funny. That that red and yellow, uh... He LePage the field! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, red and yellow 61 Ford Taurus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Unsponsored. Ford Tortoise? Tortoise. Slow. Might as well have been. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, I mean, it was one heck of a race. It was a lot of carnage. I have not seen a car flip like Perkins in a while. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. <laughs> That was a violent barrel roll, and you can tell it shook him up pretty bad because he had to go to the hospital for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually happen these days after a barrel roll. I mean, the last time I saw, or I remember a car barrel rolling really that bad in kind of the same fashion on that backstretch was uh, 
Busher in 2016 in the cup race. Guess what? Both of those cars are yellow, yellow and red. Mm-hmm. Yellow and red. Don't run a yellow and red car at Talladega. Yeah, don't do it. Was there anybody else this weekend that, that wrecked with a yellow and red car? I don't remember off the top of my head. I think there was only two of them, and McDowell had a horrible <laughs> cup race. Yes, he did. And the Love's car. Spun out on lap three. Yep. Or was it even, was it lap three? I don't or was know. It, it was like one of, the, it might have been the first lap. It was one of the first three laps. The, uh, long story short, don't run red and yellow cars at Dega. It's a Learn. shame. Those are beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Perkins had one heck of a wreck, and then... Hemmer, it's funny. Both of those, it's not really funny, but it's it's just interesting that both those crashes that happened were so similar to wrecks that have happened in the past. Which, mm-hmm. like, Perkins was near identical to the Busher wreck in 2016, and then Hemrick was a near identical replica of the uh, Tony Stewart wreck in 2012, in the fall of 2012. Block on bad. Mm-hmm. And he was just, it's desperation mode at the end of the race. He has to cut down in front of everybody to try and block and everything, and it just goes awry. This doesn't work. I know. I mean, it's one thing to have a wreck fest race every now and again. It's normal for these types of of races, but it just seems like junking half of the field or all of the field by the end of these races anymore is becoming far too common for my liking to as a fan, you know, as as a driver, as a fan, as looking at it from all perspectives, it's not fun to watch. No. Hey, well, it's Sometimes you need a little bit of, you know, if a crash happens during a race, it might spice things up a little bit when you have way too much of that happening. It's mm-hmm. just an overload, you know? Yeah. It's like nobody likes, it's like, for example, Dale, it's like, I love grilled cheese. <laughs> I love grilled cheese sandwiches a lot. And, uh, I second this notion. Yeah. And, and I'll make a grilled cheese sandwich and it's delicious, but I can't eat a grilled cheese sandwich every day. I probably could, but I'm with you. It's like I would start getting sick of it after a while. You know, it's just like I love it, but at the same time, if I have too much of it, then it's going to just dilute itself, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's what's been going on as of late. Too many wrecks. And not just in Xfinity, also in Cup. Let's talk about the Cup race. What are your thoughts? Oh, my goodness. I mean, overall, before the chaos at the end, it was a very good race. A lot of different... Uh, different packs up front. You had the Toyotas up front. Then it was, then it was the Fords, and then you know the diversity at the end. And then one caution comes out, and everything happens. It all goes mm-hmm. loose again. <laughs> and uh, everybody forgets how to drive. Everybody forgets how to drive. And poor Noah Gregson, the, the legacy car, actually showed some speed this week, mm-hmm. but without getting junked by Larson and Chastain. Trying to make a hole that wasn't there. But I think it was a desperation block by the 42. And then, if anything, it was Larson shoving the it one was. car up there. It, it was, was not really Ross's fault, even though it's just fun to blame things on Ross. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a, a wild finish to the race. And, you know, I it sucks for Gregson. Again, as you said, if it take this into account. Noah Gragson has run the entire season. He's run every single race this season, right? He is below Chase Elliott in points. Yeah, this could have been, you know, his big shot to not. We could not. You might have won. Yes, you might have been not in the criticize legacy anymore on this show, at least for two more weeks. Yeah. Well, listen, the forty-three got a top ten. The forty-two was running up front, running well. They actually showed decent speed. The forty-three did not show. The 42 definitely had more speed in the 40. The 40 every time the 43 was leading the line on the outside, it was just a parachute. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Ironic, because it was the Air Force car. Yes. <laughs> the, the Nuggets were faster than the Air Force this week. It was going anything but supersonic. Yeah. I just wanted to see Noah win to see for him to down some nugs on the front street. <laughs> Did you see uh, Bob Pockris in that pre-race segment? Was he the one who dressed up as something? Yeah, they put him in a biggie bag yeah. costume. I feel so bad for Bob. <laughs> I don't. I think it's great. Biggie Bob. Biggie Bob. They were calling him Biggie Bob. <laughs> he was dancing around in the pre-race show. Bag Pockris. <laughs> <laughs> big old a big old bag of Bob. Yeah. <laughs> bag Pockris. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, Kyle Busch gets his uh, second win, ten races with RCR. That's a good start. It reminds me almost of. Uh, Chastain start last year with Trackhouse, where he really wasn't the best car all day at Dega, but he just kind of ended up winning the race. Mm-hmm. And then 
the race that he did win was a deserved win. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's very similar because they're both new beginnings, both in Chevys, both won you know the Dega race in red and black cars. Uh, so and then uh, McLaren Custom Grills, the sponsor on the eight car. So many people visited the website after the win that actually sh- it like it broke the website for two days. I was one of those people. Of course, I didn't know anything about the company or anything so i guess their sponsorship worked mm-hmm. but uh, they, they do a lot of cool stuff over there they got a lot of custom sports grills and whatnot it's like they have a you could buy a grill where the 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 top lid of the grill is just the eight car yes it's cool <laughs> it is cool uh but you know without i mean it was an interesting race it was clean for the majority of it and then uh it just got messy at the end and then we can't not mention it when we're talking about the finish, so let's make it a topic. The Larson crash, specifically the Larson and Ryan Priest crash. It was violent. It was ugly. Nobody was injured, thank goodness. But, uh, man, that was violent. And most notably, uh, people noticed immediately that the one of the uh, bars on the side of the car, it was not on the driver's side, thank goodness, but it was... Uh, it, it was protruding within the car where it was it was one of the door bars on Larson's car got busted in by the impact of the 41 car hitting the 5 car in the non-driver's side door of the car and it was just a real ugly wreck the in, the in-car camera from Priest is one of the most violent in-car cameras I think I've ever seen of a wreck but it yeah. was just it was wild thank goodness nobody got injured Dale I'll ask you did the next gen what are, what are your thoughts, first of all, and then did the next gen do its job, or should things be reevaluated? Uh, they took that car back to R and D for good reason. They don't these cars you both know, both back to R and D. Yes, both. Um, they, you know, we keep revisiting this topic. Seems week in and week out, we'll have a good few weeks, and then somebody gets a concussion or somebody says they're hurting, and the topic comes up again about the safety of these cars. And I'm still not sold on on the safety aspect of them seeing both cars there you know with larson's door bar sticking straight up in the air with priest's in car which made me physically sick to watch i like i was felt terrible Mm -hmm. um and it was very scary to watch the guy he had priest had fear in his eyes for just a second you know it was not not good to watch i actually kind of shocked that they show it showed it yeah usually they don't show in-car cameras of crashes that violent uh out of and then fox has been doing this thing this year where it's like after a real rough wreck it goes to commercial before it even shows any of the replays of the wreck i know that's rubbed some people the wrong way but uh that was unbelievably violent where again if you didn't watch the race the 41 basically t-boned the five after the five and he was going full speed because yes. he gassed it up trying to get by larson on the top side and the five lost it tried to save it he was basically in the middle of the middle of the track went down on the apron tried to wrangle it slid straight back up the track and then his uh non-driver's side door his passenger side door was facing oncoming traffic and then priest was the unlucky uh, person, he was the unlucky driver to absolutely clobber into the five, and it it busted out the door bar. It it broke the chassis. I mean, it literally blew through it, and it busted the the structural integrity of it. Um, thank goodness it wasn't on the driver's side, but you know both drivers were okay. Priest said after the race uh, that it was number one of his all-time hard hits. In all the years he's been racing, that was the hardest hit he ever took. And I, go, I go back to Kansas a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had that horrible wreck at Kansas. You're right on the backstretch. Yeah. And was that 2020? 1920. 2019. Somewhere, somewhere in there. It was know. one of the. I think it, it was a night race at Kansas, and he yes. absolutely walloped the inside wall in the back stretch almost turned the car over it was so mm-hmm. bad and the one that happened on sunday was the hardest that he's ever had mm-hmm. over even that one which is crazy to think about but if i could recommend something for everybody to go read uh based off of this wreck if you're kind of spooked after just the ugly look of the of the door bars being bent on the five cars a great article on road and track 
by uh, Bozy Tatrovich. I believe that's how you say his last name. Um, Bozy, if you're on NASCAR Twitter, you know who Bozy is. He always he knows way he knows a ton about the next gen car uh, to the point where he, he worked on it, and I think he works with Legacy too. But um, he's a writer. And uh, he wrote for Road and Track a long article uh, explaining about what went wrong with Kyle Larson's door bar, why it failed. Um, go take a look at that, read through it, and you'll be a bit more, I guess, I was after reading it, uh, comforted, I guess, that the same thing that happened to the door bar on the passenger side of the five car, no matter, it's not good that it was bent in like that but the same thing wouldn't happen on the driver's side thank goodness because mm-hmm. the driver's side is way more even though the the crush zone is less than it has been in the past uh it's way more reinforced there's a gigantic almost shield uh, built welded onto the outside of it um it's more reinforced that would not happen it'd still be one heck of a hit but uh, the driver, the bars would not bend inwards towards the driver, which was my immediate concern because I didn't know if the if the setup, at least with the chassis, was the same on the driver's side as it was on the passenger side. Everybody was asking the same questions, and it's a it's a good thing those cars went back to R and D because you know, I want to know probably as much as you want to know, and NASCAR wants to know if uh, if that failure of the door bar was because of you know let the conspiracies go but uh hendrick has been in the news as of late for modifying things on the car and i'm just saying i'm just saying for the sake of you know was it could it could it have been hendrick you know maybe doing something with the chassis that it wasn't supposed to or was it technique the uh the single source manufacturer and supplier of the chassis uh, for all these teams, it's it comes from a single source supplier uh, company named Technique. It's run by uh, John Cox, John Johnny something Cox. It's like C O X. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on the exact name. Gordon John Cox, I think. But it's it all comes from the the same manufacturer. Hold on, I I need to look this up. It's gonna it's gonna bother me. I think it's. We're never, we're never Ronnie John Cox. Okay. That's it. See, that's a, like it's two first names, Ron and John. Surf, I don't know. Surf shop. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, but it's it all comes from his shop. They manufacture all these chassis, and then was it a mal was it a malfunction uh, on the on the chassis part from the manufacturer, or was it Hendrick? I'm sure NASCAR wants to know, or maybe that was by design that that would happen, which of course it already has raised some eyebrows. So this is. Th- big old situation that is we we will worth it worth a second look we will never know the answer to this i think we would we would have known today if hendrick was penalized and it wasn't right because if if hendrick was doing something it wasn't supposed to to the chassis the any penalties would have been announced today because mm-hmm. wednesday is usually the penalty day and then there have been no rumblings about anything happening so it would have been announced today if hendrick did something wrong so more than likely it's technique i don't think that we'll know even if it was technique yeah i don't think we'll know that either simply because i go back to the newman incident in the 202500 mm-hmm. we never knew anything about you know why that happened at least to the details that i wanted to know that's why the chassis caved the yeah was it was it a Roush problem? Was it right. you know, who knows? But I mean, it was all kind of kept under wraps. You know, these these roll cages are supposed to be as strong as possible, but I don't know if you can possibly engineer one that's gonna take a car going one ninety. Yeah, I mean it's at that angle. It's fascinating because these cars are built even I mean they're <laughs> I can't say the term, but brick crap houses, you know. And they uh they're they're built so tough even more than the last chassis and these cars are built to withstand hard hits and all that energy mm-hmm. has been controversially at least with the next gen car gets dissipated in the driver's seat rather than the car itself um but to see the chassis actually be you know mangled Sp- like that spooky stuff yeah it's like wow okay that needs to <laughs> have you know someone needs to take a serious look at that and i'm sure every single team in the garage not just hendrick 
kind of had its eyebrows raised of whoa everybody you know. everybody in the r&d center put their spectacles on mm. this week <laughs> well, i mean every every car in the nascar garage if if you didn't know at home every car uh with the next gen car it's running the same chassis so mm-hmm. the bodies are different but the chassis are all the same it's a single supplier part so you know everybody is obviously everybody's concerned with something drastic that happens to one car because that thing that happened to the five could happen to any car it could have happened to any car at talladega and it could have happened to any car over the last you know 1.3 1.4 years of running this car so it's pretty fascinating to look at and then it'll be certainly a situation to keep the ears and eyes peeled on Mm -hmm. we'll take a quick break here and then when we come back more on the racing roundtable here on speed zone Imagine if drug abusers said exactly what was on their minds. Hi, Jim. Uh, you got a minute? Only if it's a quick minute, Steve. Well, it's the Anderson file. We should talk about it. No, listen, I'd love to, uh, but I was just about to snort some coke. Why'd you say snort coke? That's right. Cocaine. You know, blow, nose candy. I do it all day. Not your typical office conversation, but consider this. One in seven working Americans uses illegal drugs. But what about the Anderson file? Tell you what. Let me duck into the men's room, do a couple of lines, and I'll be right with you. Of course, drug abusers aren't this candid about their problem, but sooner or later, their problem speaks for itself. Okay, got my head cleared. Now, about that Peterson file. Anderson file, Jim. What can you do for someone who needs help? Give them this number, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. It's the number of the National Drug Abuse Helpline. It's free, it's confidential, and it just may be the help they need. This message brought to you by the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. Just the two of us. We can yeah, it's just the two of us. Just Dale Garrett and I on today's episode of Speed Zone. Just the two of us. <laughs> All right, we got more racing to talk about. Let's go on to the next topic. Big news today. My goodness. The, uh, let me stop. You can still hear that music. Surprise, it's Hendrick Motorsports. Surprise, it's another Hendrick driver that's been injured. Uh, It's This time, it's Alex Bowman. And it was announced today that he's going to be out for the next three to four weeks because he injured a vertebrae in a sprint car crash last night. So obviously, best wishes out to Alex Bowman. Uh, Rough accident, tough deal. And once again, Josh Berry is in the car. Now he'll be in the 48 car for the next, again, three to four weeks as it was announced today. So this is now the second in-season injury from an extracurricular activity to a Hendrick Motorsports driver, Dale. Should Hendrick crack down now or should he keep his same stance he had from the the Chase Elliott injury of, you know, hey, drivers are, I'm going to let my guys do what they want to off the track. I think he should keep the same stance we all assume the risk as drivers when we strap into another race car, whether it not be in the Cup Series or in the Cup Series, wherever, you know. And and I'm pretty sure that's that's um, Alex's own team that he owns. Okay, yeah. So again, if you if you're just a if you just make people do stuff they don't want to do, it's not gonna be it's not gonna end well. It's not gonna produce results. It's just you know, he just, it's just a freak accident again, unfortunately. Yeah. This is very unfortunate and it has to be maddening for Hendrick with how good those cars are this year. And then now, not just one, but two mm-hmm. of your stars have been injured and are going to be out missing multiple races. You know, lucky for Hendrick, it's not, especially injuring a vertebrae, you know, as, as Bowman did. You know, lucky that it wasn't something way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard over the past years, I mean, obviously the risks are understood with racing and sprint cars, but, you know, those cars, as we were just talking about safety with an X-Gen car, you know, the sprint cars are nowhere near the same amount of safety because they're not nearly as big, you know, obviously. So a rough deal, rough accident, you know, it's a shame for Alex Bowman. Um, he was doing great this year, too, and Dover is arguably his best track. Mm-hmm. In the Cup Series, I mean, he's uh, his laugh. I think he hasn't finished outside of like one race in the last like five years. I think at Dover, last five six races, I don't think he's finished worse than fifth. 
Yeah, he's very good there. Yeah, he's he's very good at Dover. And unfortunate timing. I mean, Hendrick has just been through so much this year. Already. With, with already, and it's not even the end of April. Nope. They've had suspensions. They've had penalties twice now. Two uh, injuries. Two injuries to two of their star drivers. So half their lineup has been injured and been out for multiple races. Um, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I think considering the Bowman injury, I think if you're you're Hendrick, you almost have to be. You don't take a, a a Gibbs stance, you know, where Joe Gibbs has kind of notoriously had a stance of he's not going to let his drivers go out and do extracurricular stuff. He still holds true to that. Christopher Bell really isn't out running races that much mm-hmm. outside of the Cup Series when unless he can during the offseason or whatnot. Um, I, if you're if you're Hendrick, I don't know. I think you you can't obviously restrict all of your driver's life off the track but you know especially in today's world the least you can do is be like hey guys listen this has happened twice now and yeah it's shocking that you know larson nothing's happened to larson yet considering how many dirt races he runs considering the violent wreck from this past weekend yeah considering the wreck that he just had it's a miracle that he's not out this weekend with a concussion Mm -hmm. you know uh you just got to tell your guys to be careful, you know? Like, hey, use your head. Really think about what you're going to be going and doing, mm-hmm. considering it seems like we have no luck this year, uh, considering outside of, you know, that entire penalty being rescinded. But uh, <laughs> Byron's yeah, success. Yeah, at least in the in the driver health department, they really haven't had success. M- much luck. William Byron, just wrap him in bubble wrap at this point because nothing has <laughs> happened to him. Um he doesn't strike me as the guy would anything would happen. No, to him unless anyway. <laughs> unless it's like I don't know his sim malfunctions and he gets like Aww. electrocuted or something, <laughs> <laughs> or he's just you know he's just at his you know parents' house or something. He's just drinking. He has his nice warm glass of milk and cookies and uh oh the milk. Aww, Bzz. don't do him that way. <laughs> well, you know that hasn't happened yet. <sighs> If you're Hendrick, just wrap him in bubble wrap. Make sure that doesn't happen. I have no words for that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no. Uh, it's just, Hendrick has been all over the place this year. I think if you're Rick, you got to corral your guys in a little bit and be like, hey, use your heads put a little Rick, bit. Put Rick in the car. Yeah, put... Well, he's driven before in the Cup <laughs> Series. Put Mr. H back in the seat. Put him back. <laughs> put, uh... I don't know. Well, they keep putting Josh Berry in the car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll make that a topic, Dale. Is, uh, would you say Chevrolet, you know, considering Berry's junior's guy, you know, is Chevy grooming Josh Berry to be his next cup driver? I think that Berry is one of the best prospects that they have. No doubt about that. It's possible, you know, obviously under unfortunate circumstances, he's getting his seat time, but it's still seat time. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can he and Chevrolet utilize this seat time and possibly turn it into something? It's, uh, I mean, Barry, it's, it's no secret that he can jump into really anything and then be talented, in it, at least in a stock car sense, where when he... Uh, and then when he's put into a pressure situation, he also does really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having that, scoring that second place finish at Richmond, sure, that was a little off of strategy, but he still drove a great race, came back after wrecking earlier in the race. He spun out. Um, and mind you, that wasn't with Alan Gustafson either. You know, that was with Tom Gray, who was like third string crew chief and did a great job mm-hmm. um, with probably outside assistance of Alan Gustafson. Oh, Gustafson. No, oh, no doubt. Yeah, he's probably, Alan was probably either at his house or outside the track, you know. <laughs> outside the track. He's probably, you know, just chatting in, texting so, him, so telling him what to do, but. There is a McDonald's across the street from Richmond. That's that's where Alan Gustafson was. And he was over at the McDonald's? Yes. He was enjoying a nice McChicken? Yes. On the, on the phone. Calling the race? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Extra mayonnaise! Yes. Yes. <laughs> the uh, he um, I don't know. Barry's done a good job. Um, he hasn't really done anything outrageously impressive. Like if Barry went out, and I, and I just want to mention, it, it's very unfortunate for Barry that these two injuries and I guess these two timelines coincided to keep him out of a cup car at Martinsville. 
which is arguably the one track that if you probably put Barry in a cup car, he probably would have had a chance to go win that race. <laughs> Revive the 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's a shame that Barry didn't get to go run that, but who knows how the rest of this season's going to go. So I agree. I think Chevy... Uh, obviously knows that has a really great prospect in Barry, even though he's a bit on the older side of the spectrum compared to guys like Sam Mayer and, you know, such and such. But, no, hey, talent is talent. And when you got talent, you put that guy in a cup car and hope he goes Absolutely. Wins. The, uh... Barry's done a great job. All right, on to the next topic. No, he's not in the middle. He's on the top of the ARCA standings. It's Frankie Muniz. Oh, aren't you just so funny? Yeah. <laughs> Frankie Muniz is a, he's actually the uh, ARCA standings leader exiting Talladega. Third race of the season. And the uh, Hollywood star, or is, who is now in the ARCA, he's now in the ARCA Nard series for the first time ever, uh, running in a stock car for really the first time ever. He's leading the standings three weekends into the end of the uh, season. Dale, would you say are are you impressed, or is it not so impressive? I'm impressed, given you know his background hasn't been necessarily driving cars since he was a little kid. It's been being on my TV screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at the point standings, and second place is the Venturini car of Jesse Love. Yeah, and that to me that's just mind blowing that that Muniz is above Jesse Love, albeit, you know, Love hasn't had the greatest of luck, but 12 cars have ran all races for the Arca Series. So he's best of those 12 cars. That, to me, is impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's... It was Greg Van Alst. I mean, we mentioned this earlier in the show uh, during Flag to Flag, but uh, Greg Van Alst was the points leader entering Talladega, and then he wrecked out because Scott Melton, the human bulldozer... (laughs) plowed through Van Alst on the backstretch and uh, Van Alst wrecked. So, well, Frankie drove a clean race and then finished. He, he was up front for the majority of it. Just uh, ended up taking the wrong line. And he was trying to he was trying to be aggressive when in ARCA races. I guess the, the Daytona race kind of set him up for failure in that the standard, at least over the last while in ARCA plate races has been like everybody in a single file stays like glued to the bottom mm-hmm. and Frankie was that guy trying to get up into the second groove trying to make something happen and then nobody went with him and he fell back to the second pack yeah still finished top 10 though mm-hmm. and drove a clean race and now is the points the leader car home in one piece mm-hmm. and and I'll give him credit uh, the one race where I think again for just as an asterisk Two of the three races so far in the Arkham Nard series have been plate races. So it was Daytona and Talladega. But also drove at, it was the combined series race at Phoenix. where He's it was still the best out of the cars that have participated. Yeah, West and the national competitors all combined into that Phoenix race. It was a full field of cars. And Frankie spun out on like the first lap, drove right back through the field. Mm-hmm. Drove like top five, top six most of the day. I think he finished seventh in that race. And uh, was impressive. Consistency. It consistency was a, wins these things. It was a good drive mm-hmm. from a guy who has little to no experience in these things. I mean, he's a, he took a break for nearly a decade, more than a decade, from racing uh, where he, he was... He was an IndyCar guy. He was a prospect. He was an open wheel prospect in the late 2000s, and then around 2010, and then he got a, He got in a bad wreck, hurt his back, you know, hurt his head, mm-hmm. and then was out for 10 years. Now he's back. He's in stock cars. I think he did some late model stuff at Irwindale last year, and mm-hmm. then uh, was okay. Straps in an ARCA car, and then he's the points leader. Yep, three in, and he's so easy to root for mm-hmm. too, because it's like it's rare. I wouldn't say it's it's not rare, but it's frustratingly rare. I guess that's how I'll say it these days, where you see a guy who's just so overjoyed to be in a car. Emotion is rare. Mm-hmm. Where we live in an era of everybody, you know, has been beaten down. PR. I mean, Hendrick. I would argue a lot of the Hendrick drivers, when they get out of a car after winning a race, kind of a little devoid of emotion sometimes, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's the routine, you know, thanks to the guys back at the shop, thanks to the sponsor, right. fast car, you know, good race, good so, calls on the box. And then you get Frankie, and they send it to an in-car interview with him on Saturday, and he's just overjoyed. He's over the moon. 
no matter if he's in the car, out of the car, uh, he's just so psyched to be in a car, and then he's doing well. I think that's I think it's really cool. So I think part of the reasoning for the kind of mellow, very non-interesting drivers we have nowadays is that they were racing for a very long time growing up. Maybe they were deprived of their social life. I mm. saw that as a perspective. I don't remember where I saw it, but I thought that was interesting. And it, it mm. makes sense, you know. Because it does. If, if you've been racing since you were four and you've been traveling all over, you know, what social life did you have? <laughs> no, I, you don't know. It's yeah. like it's you're kind of isolated. Um, and then just to put things back in perspective, Frankie Muniz again on top of uh, his completed really more laps than every I think he's completed every single lap I think he's the only guy in the National Series to complete every single lap this year so it's again consistency average finish of 8.7 average start of 12.3 he is the points leader by 11 points right now over Jesse Love in equipment that is way better than what Frankie is driving Mm -hmm. it's like the Rhett Jones stuff is that's not you know it's no slouch equipment wise but then again the car he drove at Daytona the chassis was <laughs> Sterling Marlin's chassis from the 2001 Daytona 500. Exactly. Some of the stuff he's running is that old. It's literally over 20 years old and 22. Compare it to the Hendrick Motorsports of Arca being Venturini. Yep, and it's not the same. You got like a ton of massive Toyota TRD support mm-hmm. with, you know, young gun driver, all the chips are in, Jesse Love, and then you got Frankie Muniz. Frankie's the guy on top. I think it'll be interesting to see how obviously how this how this pans out because really the guys competing for the title in my eyes in ARCA are going to be uh, Frankie, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Love, Greg Van Alst who wrecked this week, and then who's been who's in a similar situation to Frankie where he's not exactly driving the best equipments for Van Alst's own team, and then uh, uh, Andres Perez de Lara mm-hmm. for uh, Rev Racing. Yep. who had to miss Daytona because he was too young, but almost had a great run at Phoenix and then uh, almost won at Talladega. He ran up front in most of the race, um, drove a great race. I would say it's between really like Delara, Van Alst, Love, and Muniz. Mm-hmm. And then I can't really think of anybody else. I mean, you have like... Brad Smith. <laughs> Brad Smith. Uh, and then... Tony Bridinger. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's, let's talk about let's talk about her. Tony Bridinger uh, is, you know, currently she is ninth in the Arca series points. Um and, the, and I'll, I'll give her credit, winningest USAC female yes. driver ever. So she's no slouch, but then again, her NASCAR slash stock car career has been kind of uneventful up until this point. <laughs> To put it lightly, and uh, this today it was announced that she will be making her Truck Series debut at Kansas in two weeks uh, with Tricon Garage in the one truck, um, which has been driven by a slew of drivers mm-hmm. so far this season. You know, Dale, I'll ask you. I feel like I already know the answer, but I just want to ask: she ready or not ready to move up to the Truck Series? No, she isn't. I mean. Her ARCA career has been, like you said, uneventful. Uh, it's just, I, I, I don't have really any expectations for this. So, it's just not, you know, money talks nowadays and always has in racing, but it really does now, mm-hmm. more so than ever before. So, um, however, she has brought the most interesting sponsor that I thought <laughs> I would never see. <laughs> In NASCAR, being Victoria's Secret, mm-hmm. never would I have ever <laughs> predicted seeing them anywhere around a racetrack, let alone on a truck or a car or anywhere. You know, it, it makes more sense that it's you know Tony Tony Bridinger with that sponsor and not mm-hmm. like <laughs> Brad Smith. Sorry, not yet Brad, Brad Smith or um, I always think of when I think of like a a real funny sponsorship pairing with a driver look this up at home mike bliss in i think it was 2009 2010 at vegas about the kim kardashian yeah he drove a kim kardashian makeup car yes and kim was at the race she showed up and it's like mike bliss 
than Kim Kardashian. I think it's a pink car. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's pink and purple. It's the 36 for Tommy Baldwin racing. Yes, and it didn't do so hot in the race, but it was. Just, I always find it funny. It's just like there's that. If you look it up, there's an image, and it's just like Mike Bliss standing next to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> it's like. Without context, you just think, how'd that happen? Exactly. Yeah, what? I mean, <laughs> how'd they land that sponsorship? You know, there's people that pay millions of dollars to meet Kim, and then there's Mike Bliss. I like to imagine Kim was, like, watching an NASCAR race. She's like, I really like that Mike Bliss guy. No, that's this did not happen. <laughs> she got notified by her agent that, hey, we've got a sponsorship with this at there's this date. There's a car. Yeah, there's a car. Your face is on it. You need to go see it. And yeah. she's like, okay, how much are you paying me to go see it? That's mm-hmm. what she's thinking about. <laughs> uh, but with regards to riding her in the truck series, no, she's not ready. I, I think it would have been, if it was like a like a plate track, I could see it. Um, like Daytona or Talladega, she's making her debut. I think it, that would be more understandable. Kansas, uh, I don't know how that's going to go. It, you know she could do well maybe she, she will could. i don't know but um, more than like i'll take my bet is that she'll probably be running like two laps down in a truck capable of running in the top 10 see i'm not trying to have expectations so. that's good i uh, know i i think that's that's a good stance to have where i mean you look at a guy like i think a good example is Derek krause as of recent mm-hmm. where Derek krause you know great driver in K&N West back when that was a thing, and then now it's ARCA West, but uh, was great in there, went up to the truck series the last couple of years, didn't really do anything, and then you know, besides a couple of poles, was kind of reckless all over the place, and you know, lost his ride, and then, as of recent, you know, got that gig with Colleg Racing, and then two out of the three races, top tens. In, in a completely different, you know, new ride, new team, new everything. Hasn't ever driven in Xfinity before in the Xfinity Series and goes out, does well. Blew our minds for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you put somebody in a different situation. It can They can exceed expectations. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Bridinger can do. And maybe, if anything, maybe, maybe the Venturini stuff was holding her back. Maybe the situation in Arca was just not ideal. Maybe the handle of the truck or the you know, the bigger tracks will fit her style more. Anything could happen. Um, but in two weeks, it'll be really interesting to see how she does behind the wheel of a good truck. It's also important to note she's a heavily backed CRD Toyota driver. Oh, yeah. She's in the commercials, in, too. Yeah, the commercial. But, uh, yeah, Tony Bridinger, keep your, uh, keep your eyes... How do I say it? Just, just keep this, an eye out th- for this her. This is a Victoria's Secret truck. You got to watch it. Here. Yeah, <laughs> got to watch it to say here. Keep your eyes out for Bridinger. See how she does at Kansas <laughs> in two weeks. There we go. All right, next topic. Ryan Blaney. We mentioned it earlier, and again in flag to flag. Now it's fifty-six races since Ryan Blaney has won a race. Dale, what the heck's going on with Ryan Blaney? And is his next win on the horizon, or is he just in for another season of winless misery? It's very sad. You know, Blaney's one of my guys, one of my favorites. But looking at this from an unbiased stance, he's been there so many times, it seems, at the beginning of races and not the opener. Yes, he's the (laughs) opener. He's not the closer. He's the anti-Kevin Harvey. Yes. He's just not able to close him out at the end. I I don't really have a blame to point that to. Uh, Part of it is bad luck he has zero luck as far as i'm concerned but he's been so close so many times they uh i don't know i it's certainly disappointing i mean he's not the only driver in penske equipment that's disappointing i mean you could also point at harrison burton but you know blaney it's more disappointing because you know he can win races Mm -hmm. he's he's competitive i mean he's a champion he's a title contender um but in this modern system you got to win races to be really eligible to win a title um you can point your way in obviously to the playoffs but you got to win races Mm -hmm. to win the title with this with this playoff format and blaney just can't i don't know what it is and it's even worse that i mean i don't know penske this year hasn't outside of logano really has been kind of like okay and he was so close to winning a dega did so well and dega is like his best track Mm -hmm. um but Blaney's just had nothing this year. Like I, I can't really 
remember any phenomenal runs outside of Dega. Five top tens, two top fives, eighth in points. Yeah, I mean, he's doing good, but he's just not winning. Mm-hmm. And he's then this era, like, he's, he would have been perfect, perfect driver. Perfect Cup Series driver like 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but And it's funny because like, he's a very old old school style driver. Part of the reason he I like it. Races, you know, with respect. He's not going out really bumping people out of the way. Sure, he can be a bit angry on the radio, but who isn't? And then uh, he, just, he doesn't win. I don't know. I guess if it is his next win on the horizon. I think, I, I think he'll get one this he'll, year. I least. think... I don't think it comes until maybe Daytona in August. I really don't. I think his next win's on a play track. I don't see him winning really anywhere else unless it's. I was going to Pocono might be where it happens. Mm -hmm. I think Pocono or Daytona. I don't think he'll win Atlanta in July. It's like even though that is a play track, Logano will probably end up winning that too. I I like to forget that race exists. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, I think his. I don't think his next one is on the horizon, but I agree with you, Dale. I think it'll happen this year mm-hmm. at some point. But he's got to stop being the opener. Please, please let it be happen. the closer for once, Blaney. <laughs> Come on, evolve. All right, just uh, one more quick topic before the end of the show here, uh, Dale. Just quick thoughts on the uh, SRX broadcast lineup. SRX is a uh, new look for this year. I saw DW, and when I see DW part of a broadcast team, say less, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, you know, there his last few years at Fox were a little crazy. He seemed like a little um, off the rim, if you will. <laughs> Just yellow, oh, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited. I've missed DW ever since he left. It's just been a piece missing out of the booth. Mike Joyce seems lonely and has no chemistry with Clint Boyer whatsoever. Mm. Um, Debatable. Well... Anyways, um, <laughs> you know, Alan Bestwick doing play-by-play. Can't get, can't get any better. Nope, can't get any better than that unless you call up Ken Squire. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Yoakum, it's another strong. Good choice. Yes, good choice, good choice. And uh, what is it? You got uh, Logano, Waltrip, and Connor Daly are yeah. all going to be the yeah. co-analysts this year. Joey's what? probably one of the, if not the best current driver that can be an analyst. He's really good in the booth, surprising. But maybe other than Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Daly. I, I but what do, what do you think primarily about the return of uh, Thursday Night Thunder during the summer? At first, I was against it, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense from a you know promotions, advertising, PR standpoint, which is what I'm studying. Um, <laughs> it makes sense, you know, putting something in the middle of the week like that. A lot of people have advocated for midweek races when NASCAR did it during covid It'll be fun to have something on Thursday night when, you know, nothing else is going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for TV ratings, mm-hmm. and I don't know how that's going to translate into attendance. It would be locals is what it would be. Well, I mean, it's at least it's, uh, you know, during the summer. You right. Know? It's like, since it's during the summer, I think it's going to be the best to do this kind of experiment mm-hmm. possibly could. Because um, uh, SRX races out of every every... Well, the last two seasons, the problem it hasn't had is attendance. Right. It's like every single race has been packed to the gills. Because I'm pretty sure ratings-wise, they were outpacing IndyCar, weren't they? It was year one. Really year one uh, on CBS, because the last two years on CBS, now it's going to be on ESPN. Um, year one it was. It was right around that mm-hmm. fringe of like a million viewers. Which is insane. Yeah. It was like hitting about a million per race and then year two wasn't it slid a little bit which is probably why it's not on cbs anymore mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know if it's going to get back to that million mark on espn but the fact that it's going to be on the espn and not like espn u mm-hmm. or espn 2 or something it's going to be on big espn during the summer on thursday nights uh, depending on how that gets promoted i think it'll do well another aspect about it is like you said with it being summer it's the best time to have it during summer on mm-hmm. Thursdays because a lot of people have stuff going on on the weekends in summer, you know, versus other motorsports commitments or kids' soccer games. Uh, just, just everything happens on the weekends, and having something on Thursday night in summer, I think it's, I think it's a good move. 
it's going to be certainly interesting to watch. I mean, they got plenty of uh, drivers back and then new people. I know for one, it's going to be Kenny Wallace. Yes. That'll be a fun interview when yes, that happens. It will. <laughs> uh, but uh, SRX shaping up to be good this year. That's going to start up in July, mm-hmm. I believe. I, have the, I think so. I have the schedule. Hold on. It is. It starts up. SRX. Hold on. July 13th. Yep. Uh, 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. on ESPN. And all of them, again, are on ESPN. But starts up mid-July. Tune in for that. Should be exciting. Dale, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Always a pleasure to be here, Mr. Cower. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, it's going to conclude tonight's episode of Speed Zone. I thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, it was a, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, there was... No, it's going to be one busy weekend in motorsports, whether you're here in West Virginia, in the uh, Huntington area, or abroad. It should be a fun weekend for everybody. Uh, Make sure to tune in for whatever you can, watch some racing. Until next time, trade some paint, drop the hammer. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.